Welcome to Wine with HR. I'm Jules. Hey there, I'm Trish. Lawyers turned HR professionals. Through our company, Monarch Endeavors, we guide employers through their oh shit moments with their employees. In this podcast, we will discuss some of the most common (laughs) and commonly frustrating HR problems while enjoying our favorite adult beverage, wine. So sit back, grab a glass if you choose, and join us as we think about and drink about all things HR. Welcome to episode six of Wine with HR. Today, we are thinking about and drinking about employees behaving badly in the workplace. This is actually a pretty common problem, but it is one that, in my experience, a lot of employers believe they can't do much about, especially if the person is a good performer. But as we'll discuss today, employers can and should address bad behavior because failing to do so can create problems with your team, your culture, and the overall success of your company or organization. Trish, what are your thoughts on our topic today? Yeah, I'm really excited about today's topic. I don't think that employers realize exactly how much negativity and turnover and maybe an increase in sick days or even a decrease in particular employees' job performance can have because they get impacted by another person's bad behavior. So I'm really, really excited for this topic. Same. Uh, So, of course, before we get to the W-H-I-N-E, what are you drinking tonight, Trish? I went with another one of my favorite brands. <laughs> this is, uh, it's a Josh wine. Um, always love Josh wines. They're, again, very consistent and lovely. Uh, this one is their rosé. And the bottle says hints of strawberry, white peach, and nectarine. Definitely taste the strawberry. I'm still working on the white peach and nectarine, but I'll, uh, I'll let you know by the end of the show. What about you, Jules? What are you drinking today? Oh, no, I'm still on the detox, but I do have a wine for you. But first, I have a comment on yours since I can see it and our audience can't. But it is very strawberry-ish colored. It's very dark for a rosé. Yeah, right? (laughs) I don't know if that's just my computer coloring, but it is a little darker than what you would think. But it's, it's really good. Okay, so I am reviewing a Chenin Blanc which Trisha, you will love Mm. because I was just introduced to this wine. It's one that uh, my husband's restaurant, uh, he doesn't own the restaurant, he works there, but um, they serve this wine at the restaurant and so he wanted me to taste it. Uh, It is a California Chenin Blanc. So it is similar to a Sauvignon Blanc, but it's a little bit these are my words. I'm sure these are not wine wine words, <laughs> but it's less uh, oh, it's no. less bitey than Sauvignon Blanc sometimes are. You know how sometimes they just oh, like yeah. really like that totally yeah. makes sense. So it's a little bit smoother. That's probably a better word. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little like bit smoother. Yeah, it's a little bit smoother, um, and it has like green apple, melon, honey. I could definitely taste the honey, and uh, Scott said he could taste orange blossom. I could not, but he's from Florida, so allegedly he knows what that tastes like. Uh, but <laughs> also pear, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Also pear. So it was, it's a lovely wine. It's uh, one of my favorites. And it is from Vinum Cellars, V I N U M Cellars. It's really good. So 
Anyway, uh, for those of you listening, if you get a chance and you like lighter wines during the summer, this is a great one. Or should I say a grape one? Oh, no, you did not go there. We have some friends who would be very, very proud of your punniness. Yes, yes. Sorry. I apologize to everyone. Everyone listening. Uh, Okay, so now to the W-H-I-N-E of the episode. Let's start off with a short discussion, as we usually do, about why it is so important to address bad behavior in the workplace. So, Trish, tell us why. Tell us why it's so important. Well, I think I kind of alluded to it when we were talking in our introduction, and that's the fact that bad behavior impacts your overall team, your company culture, and it could end up costing you as far as employees go. Now, for those of you who have been with us for a couple of episodes, you may remember that Julie and I talked about the spring 2023 SHRM article magazine. And I really want to bring that back up again because yes, we were talking about belonging in there, but if someone doesn't feel like they belong because there was this bad behavior, it could really truly impact people's ability to feel safe at work. So just a quick reminder, 25% of those surveyed reported that they didn't trust their manager to treat them fairly. 26% did not feel emotionally safe at work. 27% said that their workplace does not clearly provide opportunities. And 27% did not think their manager encourages culture of open and transparent communication. So why am I bringing that up when we're talking about employees who behave badly? That is because what we see when employees behave badly, we see people rolling their eyes. We see them maybe insulting their coworkers or backstabbing, maybe talking over them or maybe making them feel like their ideas are worthless. And all of that then leads to this idea of belonging And if people aren't feeling like they belong, if they don't feel like they are heard, then they're going to leave, plain and simple. Yeah. And, you know, there was an interesting write-up in SHRM as well about enabling bad behavior that ties into this episode as well. And you and I see this all the time, but a lot of times it's managers hoping crossing their fingers and toes and hoping that maybe the problem will just correct itself if they do nothing <laughs> um, or <laughs> well, that, sure, that works right all the time. yes or perhaps the problem individual will be transferred or promoted soon which is another topic for another day but promoting people just to solve a problem is you know not the best <laughs> strategy in most cases maybe not <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I hear a lot is, oh, well, this person, like we're so short-staffed or this person is so good at their job that we can't do without them. We can't live without them. I hear that a lot. But if they are behaving badly, sometimes you can't afford to live with them. We'll talk more about that. The other thing that we see a lot are people making workarounds. So instead of holding the person accountable for doing what they're supposed to do, or, you know, because people are too afraid to maybe talk to this person, they do workarounds where they just create responsibilities for other people. Like, so other people are doing parts of their job because everybody's too scared to uh, go speak to this person because they're known to have a really bad temper or they're known to 
you know, fly off the handle or they're known to, you know, embarrass you in front of everybody else, whatever the case may be. So those are sort well, of some Julie, of the ways. I have some stats. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm good. sorry. No, no, you're I was fine. excited. I have yeah. some stats going with what you just said. So because of those types of behaviors, do you know that there's actually a 50% increase in turnover? Wow. And there's a 75% increase when it comes to sick days. Oh, wow. People say, like, look, I'm just going to take more sick days. I'm going to spend less time at work. I don't care about my performance, my quality of work. I don't have a strong of a commitment to the company. Because of people behaving badly in the workplace and creating that toxic culture. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, We always love data. So one of the things that I want to start off talking about is that behavior problems, and if you've ever taken a training with me or Trisha, you will hear us say this, but behavior problems are really performance problems. Because people, when they come to work, have to be able to act in a way that they can work professionally and respectfully with their coworkers. And if they are unable to do that, then that is a performance problem. A lot of employers think that as Trisha said before, you can't do anything about these people that are behaving badly because there isn't a policy or there isn't a particular rule, work rule, that prohibits this, whatever the bad behavior is. Well, that's not true. So number one, you don't need to have a policy for every single thing. Most of you have shared values or codes of conduct or respect in the workplace policies or something along that line. You can lean on those when somebody is acting in a way that is not consistent with your company's values. We've talked about core values before and how oftentimes they are just something that sits on a company's website (laughs) and not something that people live and breathe within the company, but they should be something that people live and breathe. And one of the ways that you can make that happen is by holding people accountable to those core values. So that if respect is one of your core values, and you have somebody walking around your office calling people effing morons to their face, then that is not respectful behavior, and you are allowed to do something about that, including... It's not? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> including telling that person that you no longer require their services. <laughs> Absolutely 100% true. And I think people don't realize that they can do that. Mm-hmm. No, no, a lot of people don't. I also think it's important to keep in mind the message you are sending by allowing the bad behavior to continue. So yes, it's probably easier to stick your head in the sand and say, we're just all going to deal with it or do these workarounds that people come up with. But the message you are sending to your other employees is that this behavior is perfectly acceptable or that you care more about a person's numbers Because usually bad behavior is allowed to continue if the person is a top performer in whatever their actual job is. We see this a lot. So if that's the case, the message you are sending is that that is the only thing that matters and acting respectfully towards your coworkers is not one of the things that matters or being a team player or being a collaborator or supporting your coworkers None of that matters. It's only what you show in results of sales or productivity or whatever the case may be. 
So it's really important to think about that. The last point I want to make in this part about just talking about some of the things to be thinking about is one of the ways you can approach conversations with somebody who is engaging in bad behavior is to tell them, broach it in in a manner in which you are telling them how their behavior is holding them back. So instead of just going to somebody and say, hey, stop doing that, which sometimes you may need to, but oftentimes people may not be aware of how they're acting or they may not be aware of how it is coming off to other people. So you can start from that place. I'll give you an example. I had uh, an employee at one of my clients who was very, very good at her job. Unfortunately, she had a pretty abrasive personality, and the way that she spoke to people often came off as condescending or rude or as if she were trying to shove things down their throat. And so, again, these sort of workarounds, a lot of people just stopped going to her and asking her for help, but she had a lot of experience and knowledge that she you know, could have been very helpful in these situations. And she wanted to move up to a leadership position, but never going to happen. Not not with that sort of personality, right? And so to sit down with her and say, hey, listen, I know that you have ambitions to be a supervisor. I'm going to be honest with you. The biggest thing holding you back is the way that you communicate with other people. You know, and in this particular case, I think that this employee had been told some of the things, you know, so then you could continue on and say, you know, that people have said that you're abrasive or that you sometimes come off as condescending. If you can learn how to communicate with people in a better way, then there's no reason you shouldn't be able to reach your goals of becoming a supervisor. So you can couch it in a way that is more about you're trying to help them. You're trying to help them get out of their own way. Uh, So those are just some things to think about as we go through the rest of this discussion and as we give you more tips and, and tricks about how to handle these types of situations. So Trish, I'm sure you have things to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course I do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I definitely want to start with how you said um, behavior problems are really performance problems. I think that that is a huge, huge point and a really great place for us to start kind of attacking this, we'll say not to sound aggressive, but attacking it, right? (laughs) We can address this then from a more global perspective even. We don't have to start with the individual. Of course, we want to start with, you know, have our conversations, but for our newer managers or from um, a company perspective of just wanting to create a positive, welcoming, warm culture, we can, get ready for this, include soft skills in the job descriptions. Wow, right? (laughs) I mean, mind-blowing. Yeah. (laughs) So those soft skills that we're talking about, um, Julie's already mentioned one of them, which is communicating effectively with others. 
How are your employees communicating? Most of these top performing employees, they're going to be the ones that have their eyes on the prize, right? They are the ones who are going to want to be promoted. So by showing them that you value the soft skills as well and have those listed in your job descriptions, um, I think it helps you go a lot further. A couple of others to mention, how about leadership as a soft skill? Their creativity, their ability to persuade, are they open to criticism? Which, of course, then criticism leads me to, are they emotionally intelligent? Do they have empathy? Again, that self-awareness, are they patient? I actually read another stat because I love my stats. 87% of millennials say that emotional intelligence of their leader motivates them to work better and strive for company success. That came out of a study that the I think it's Levo Institute is how you say it. It came out of one of their studies. And I think that's huge. 87% motivates them to work better and strive for company success. So I I find that to be uh, pretty cool. Um, Another one, of course, would be that ability to problem solve. You include all of those in your job descriptions. And then guess what? Now you have something to put on your performance evaluations. Aha! Behavior problems equal performance problems. So um, I think that is all I have to say for the moment. (laughs) Okay, Trish, but what if, as we've mentioned a couple of times, the employee is a top performer? Oh, boy. Like, let's say they are number one in sales in the company. So at this point, You cannot avoid conversations. You have to have a conversation with this employee and let them know what the impact is. I think Julie has already said this without saying it, but this is a coaching opportunity for you and to also help them in the future. You could remind them to start with empathy. How would you feel if and then use whatever they had done to this other person. Or, I love what you do, but how you do it needs a little work. (laughs) It's that same thing, right, where we're giving them a lot of positive, but also, look, if you want to improve, this is what you need to do. The bottom line for our our jerks at work is (laughs) do not, do not let them get away with it. I think uh, Julie really nailed that one as she was talking about it. Um, There is a a gentleman out there, Robert Sutton, who has something, and I can't say it because my mama will listen to this and I'll get in trouble. So I'll just say it's called the a-hole rule. The no a-hole rule. The no a-hole rule. So Julie, you have a little more familiarity with his work than I do. Can you do me a favor and talk about that to people so they understand where I want to go with this? Oh yeah, sure. So it's a little bit about what I was talking about before, but Robert Sutton wrote this book called uh, The No Asshole Rule. I'll say it. Um, And uh, (laughs) it was based on, if I recall correctly, It was based on a law firm that had a partner who brought in, he was, you know, one of the top rainmakers in the company. He brought in, I believe, at least 25% of the total revenue of the firm, but he was a jerk and he 
created a very toxic environment. Uh, He was constantly yelling at people. He was very divisive. He was confrontational. Uh, Just not a good leader and really created a bad environment for everybody else. But they put up with it for a long time because he brought in so much money and they were afraid that the firm would not survive if he were if they were to kick him out. But eventually the partners got together. I think I believe they went away to like a little retreat and they decided, obviously, the jerk partner was not there. Uh, They went away to a retreat and they decided that they didn't care if the firm went under. They could not do this anymore. And so they kicked him out. And shockingly, or not shockingly, within a year, the firm was doing better than it ever had because they got rid of that presence. Uh, And they were, you know, everybody thrived after that because that negativity was gone. I, I think that is probably my favorite part of it is you get rid of the negativity, everybody begins to flourish. Mm-hmm. I know people out there listening to that are saying, oh, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Yeah, it is. That truly, truly is. You have the reasons, just do it. Do not wait. Do it immediately and watch how the rest of your employees flourish. We've already said that that kind of negativity leads to decreased performance, right? It's a decreased quality of work, a decreased commitment to your organization. So if you get that person out of there, all of those things are going to, and yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. It'll take time, but watch with the right kind of communications and the right kind of coaching and a leadership that steps up and makes people feel safe that they should be there and encourages their ideas, you're going to watch that um, that team and your whole company grow. I also want to share a story that uh, I saw occur where we had that person in place who was, you know, the jerk big leader of the company uh, and brought in a lot of money for the company. So again, was allowed to sort of get away with his behavior, he would dress employees down in the hallways and and scream at them and swear at them, you know, drop the F-bomb and all these other things. And the the effing moron comment was heard rather frequently uh, in this particular workplace. And sure enough, a couple years later, another, a junior employee started acting just like him. And of course, everybody was all up in arms about that. And they were like, hey, we can't allow this to happen. And I was like, but you've been allowing it to happen. He works directly for the guy that you will not tell can't behave like this. So of course he's going to model those behaviors. He sees that they work. So if you're not going to do anything to the, the top guy, you can't do anything to the guy who's exhibiting those behaviors because that's what he's learned. So it does have a ripple effect. It's not just that one employee it's also the people who are learning from that employee. And it's also, as Trisha's talked about, all of your other employees who may be demoralized or disengaging or, you know, really distancing themselves because they just don't want to put up with it. Wow. <laughs> all right. I'm starting to go back to my own personal experiences and, and maybe jobs that I left because of something similar. Um, you will have people leave. 
Oh, absolutely. You will have people leave. Mm -hmm. And you will have others that think that they can copy that kind of behavior. And, And it's learned. They think that's the way you're supposed to be if you're a manager, right? All right. So are you ready for my question? I am. What if the employee um, says that their behavior is because of a medical condition or disability? What do we tell our listeners to do then? Yeah, this is definitely a tricky situation. So, of course, we're going to always recommend that you run those types of situations past your legal counsel. But again, it's not hopeless. So the courts have upheld cases where employers have terminated employees because of their behavior, even if that employee claims that it is due to a medical condition or a disability. And the reason for that is because under the Americans with Disabilities Act, for example, you have to be able to perform the essential functions of your position with or without an accommodation. One of the essential functions of almost every position is being able to work with your coworkers in a professional and respectful manner. Now, we don't write that on all the job descriptions, but it's not a bad idea to do it. Uh, It's along well with others. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. And if you can't do that, usually there isn't an accommodation that can be made to bad behavior unless the person is willing to stop it, right? Uh, so there have been cases where that people have claimed that to be the case and the courts have upheld those terminations. So again, the point is that you want to make a record of the document of the behavior. You want to have a conversation with the person about the behavior and you want to be really clear about what behavior needs to stop and what that's going to look like. So um, now we're going to get into more of our solutions. So I'm going to turn it over to Trish for the first couple. I want to start with something that Julie has already said, which is don't ignore the behavior. Um, I'm going to take it one step further, though, and say you as a manager or you as an HR leader, you need to try to understand where that behavior stems from. Is it because they really aren't confident in their position? Is it because they don't know anything and they think that they should know that particular thing? Um, Is it because, like Julie just mentioned in her story, they want to be like a manager that they saw? So try to understand the behavior before you have that conversation or during that conversation um, to see if it's something that could be quickly dealt with. We've already said, too that you want to treat this as a performance issue. So have you included it in your job descriptions, like I said earlier, but what about your performance reviews? Do you have these skills? Do you have these soft skills on your performance reviews? If you don't, let's talk about it, right? Your values, they should be reflected in your performance reviews. And then I know we've already said this one too, but I want to kind of go into it a little bit further, which is be mindful of the message that you're sending if you're not addressing this bad behavior. What are you telling your employees that you value? On the flip side, if you do address it, what is that showing them? That this is a safe place to work, right? This is Uh, an environment where they can report things to their manager or they can share the feelings that they have. You know, conversations are tough, 
But if employees can't have those conversations with their manager or with their HR department, then the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Confidence. That's the word I'm looking for. Confidence in the company or in their management, it begins to erode and you lose that, you're slowly going to lose the employee. Yeah, you know, uh, Trisha, I just it just occurred to me that we should share our change method for having conversations. Ah, I know. Yeah, I can't believe I didn't think of that earlier. So I this is uh, <laughs> so this is a good tip for those of you who really hate having these kinds of conversations. Uh, but we came up with a little mnemonic. Uh, change is the word. And so C stands for conversation. So we've already talked about that, but have a conversation. Don't be afraid to have that conversation. If you need help having that conversation, reach out to your HR leaders. Uh, HR leaders, if you're having trouble with that conversation, you can reach out to us. (laughs) There you go. I love it. But you want to have that conversation and you want to prepare for it. I think we mentioned this way back in episode one. But whenever you are going to have a difficult conversation with somebody, you want to make sure you're actually preparing for what you're going to say during that conversation and not just trying to wing it. Because these conversations are really important because you want to make sure that the message you're sending is very clear. The H stands for human. So remember to be human. Again, I think oftentimes, uh, partially because of my industry, the legal world, We have advised people that they should be robots and that they shouldn't show empathy or compassion or any emotions. So we do not ascribe to that. I think conversations go much better when somebody can tell that you care. So be human. The A stands for advise. You want to advise the person of the problem. So in this case, it is their behavior. But again, remember what we've talked about, how you can frame it in how it is holding them back, uh, which takes us, well, so then the N is name the specific behaviors that you're talking about. So for example, if somebody is, is abrasive, don't just say people find you abrasive. You've got to give them examples because again, most people aren't going to recognize the behavior in themselves. So they're not going to know what you're talking about. The angel is, I'm going to jump in here real quick because I think that part is really important. My mom always used to tell us when we were kids, like, you don't call someone out and say, you are this or you're that. It was your behavior is, right? So as Julie said, the behavior is problematic, not the person. I think that part is huge. Just wanted to throw that out there as you're going through these. Very important point to remember. Yes. So thank you. Of course. (laughs) Okay, so we have C-H-A-N. The G is give the employee a chance to respond. You always want to give them an opportunity to say whatever it is they need to say. They may hit you with a bunch of excuses. They may tell you something that you didn't know that sheds a totally different light on the situation and gives you ideas about how you can work with them moving forward. Uh, They may get mad and stomp out, which then you deal with that behavior as well, you know, that, but give them a chance to respond. One of the things that I often saw in lawsuits was that was the major complaint was that the employee never got a chance to tell their side of the story. So just let them tell their side of the story. 
if nothing else, it gives you more information about where their head is at and what the potential is for them to be able to overcome the problems that you're talking to them about. And then the E stands for setting the expectations moving forward. So you want to be really clear about how quickly the behavior needs to stop. You know, sometimes, again, we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes, we need to give people some grace. People don't change overnight. If they've been acting a particular way for 20 years uh, and nobody's told them not to do it for 20 years, it might take a minute. (laughs) might take a minute for them to, you know, figure out how to change their behavior. You may also want to figure out ways that you can respectfully point out the behavior that is problematic so that they can see it in real time and correct it in real time. So maybe that is you were, you talk to them during this meeting and say, hey, Trisha, you know what, would it be helpful if when I see you doing this, I just give you a little signal? And then, you know, oh, hopefully yeah. Trisha says yes. And then we can work that out so that it's subtle and not everybody knows what's happening. But we can sort of do some real-time feedback when it's actually happening. And then you want to tell them what's going to happen if they don't fix the behavior. Uh, Be very clear about it. Again, no shit sandwiches. (laughs) This is not the conversation where you're like, you're great at your job, but you behave really badly, but you're really great at your job because all they're going to remember is, I'm really great at my job. Really great at my job. just... No, no shit sandwiches. Um, <laughs> be just be clear and straightforward. <laughs> yes, Trisha, anything to add to that? <laughs> you can give a compliment, but don't let the true message go right. unnoticed. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, one of the other things to add to what Julie's saying, um, one of our favorite things to say is document, document, mm-hmm. document. As you are having these conversations, make sure you are documenting what you talked about, what your solutions were, and what those eventual, if they do not change the behaviors, uh, what the ramifications will be. Um, So very, very big on that. Um, The other thing that to tag along with what Julie was saying, um, it's not a bad idea, even if you haven't had a conversation with someone about it yet, but you start to notice it now that we are talking about it, maybe yourself just step in and say, oh, hold on, so-and-so, I think so-and-so was making a great point, and I would like to hear more. Or, hey, I so-and-so, what did you say? What was your idea? And, and really encourage and let them know as, as they start to dismiss people or talk over them that you're not going to accept that. So those little even subtle behavioral changes can go a long way as well. That's a great tip, Trish. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we were full of great tips tonight. Okay, so to yes. summarize before we get back to our wine To summarize, and I know we've said it a few times, but don't ignore the behavior, address the behavior, treat it as a performance issue, be mindful of the message you send if you don't address the behavior, review and revise your job descriptions, core values, and other policies to include misbehavior, and when you are having that conversation, use that change method and frame it to the employee about how that behavior is holding them back or impacting their coworkers. That's likely to have a bigger effect than just telling them what they're doing wrong. 
So on that note, we hope that this episode was really helpful, but we've got to check back in with the wine. So since um, I'm not actually drinking mine, I don't have any further comments except, (laughs) again, Shannon Blanc. Who knew? One of my new faves. So, Trish, how is your rosé holding up? I'm still enjoying it. I think I'm starting to get the tangerine. I haven't gotten the white peach yet, but I don't know. (laughs) Clearly, we are not wine experts here. I mean, you're closer than I am for sure. But um, yeah, I don't know if I'm starting to imagine it because of the suggestion on the bottle or, but I really feel like, um, yeah, it's delicious. It's great for summer. I'm looking forward to summer. So, Jules, any parting bits of wisdom? You always have your little Jules bits of wisdom. Oh, yes, my Jules of wisdom. J-U-L-S. My favorite thing in the world, Jules of wisdom. I <laughs> know. <laughs> you know, it all goes back to the golden rule. Treat others how you want to be treated. Or, as I've said before, the golden rule plus, treat others how they want to be treated. And... You know, you as the manager and the HR professional, you guys help set the tone of what the company is going to be like for everybody else. And so it really is in your power and it is your responsibility to make sure that you are setting the right tone. And so when somebody is making things sound off kilter, then you need to address it so that everybody can work peacefully in harmony once again. Yeah, you as HR, you are driving the employee experience, right? So get on board on the bus, you're the driver. Do not let people hire people that goes against your culture or against your values. Start there. And we're talking about employees that you already have, but let's let's look at it even before that. Don't bring on people that, oh, but they're so great. They come with such great references. They've been so successful. If they're a jerk, do you really want that? What does your employee experience look like? Make sure that you're checking in with that and keep it positive because you will have a much better experience. So will everybody else if if you're paying attention. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on uh, episode six. And as always, if you have wine suggestions or you have topics or questions that you would like us to answer on a future podcast, please contact us. Our information is in the show notes and we would love to hear from you. And until next time. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.